Okay, uh, Glenn Delaney back on the pod. Uh, Glenn, interestingly enough, and I didn't tell you this a second ago, but you are the number one listened to pod so far. Is that? That'd be my mum and my dad, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were in a in a hotel, but do you want to just explain where you are? I'm at, at my mate who I coach with the house, uh, Aaron Major's place in Dunedin. So um, I've just stuck downstairs to. Uh, it's a beautiful house, actually. So um, yeah, he's done. He's done well. But uh, no, round here for a takeaway night because it's Friday night here in New Zealand. Oh, cool! And you got a you got a, a game coming up tomorrow against the Chiefs. Yep. Yeah, we've got the Chiefs at home uh, at Forsyth Bar under the roof. So we have this wonderful um, glasshouse roof that we play in, which means that uh, it doesn't rain. So uh, it's a dry ball, and it's uh, play play rugby all day long. So. We find the ball and play time at home is, is far higher than anywhere else we play. Nice. And I was actually, I mean, we were just talking a little bit there about the different teams you've been playing against this year. And so I think often people's perception is Super Rugby is is what the, the New Zealand teams are playing like. Um, but, what, I mean, tell me about some of the experiences you've had so far this year and some of the experiences that are about to come up. Yeah, it's very different. Like We have, um, we play six derby games against the other New Zealand conference sides. So it's home and away. So they're incredibly intense. Teams that play similarly, um, all got athletes, power runners, um, a lot of flair and, and very good ball players and certainly forwards that have got really good skill sets that can catch pass, um, create opportunities. So the, the, the phased attack and the strike attack that you see in the New Zealand games is, is really creative. Um, some really creative, innovative coaches here that are looking out with old dusty defence coaches. So we're always on the receiving end of something exciting every time we play. Um, and then you've got the Australian conference, which is, um, we've got the Japanese side in there. You've got the the Australian teams um, and they all play different ways. So, you know, you've had the Brumbies in years past who've been restructured and ordered. Um, the Waratahs have got a little bit more flavour. Daryl Gibson coaching them and people like Bernard Foley and, um, uh, and Curly Beale who are pretty, pretty creative. Um, and then you go to the African sides, which are, you know, really, really heavily bound face. So love to maul. Um, the Sharks have a bit of an offloading game, which hasn't quite fired for them this year. But, um, you know, the mauling game and the power scrummaging and, you know, the size of their athletes is, is really different. So we have lots of differences in how we how we have to approach to play. And, you know, the, the conference we play in is the New Zealand one. So priority is obviously doing well there, which means doing well against the local teams here. But... You know, we're going to get on a plane and go to Africa next week. And um, our first game in there is going to be the Lions at Ellis Park, which will be a fantastic place to go, one of the iconic stadiums of world rugby. And uh, it's at altitude. And we're going to play a team that's that's pretty physical and um, we'll play in a different way. So uh, um, the other flair we get is the uh, the Argentine Haguades. Yeah, so yeah, we'll have them well. here in next week. Accents. Excellent accent. Thank you very much. I've worked very hard on that. Um, but the Haguares, uh bring a different type of game. They're, they're, they're again big, athletic guys, and you know they make stuff happen out of nothing. They've scored some beautiful tries. So um, yeah, lots of really interesting strategic challenges. Um, but what you've got to make sure is that the game you're playing fits the group of people who you are. Which you know for us at the Holland is is, is pretty authentic about moving the ball to space and trying to get the ball to people like Ben Smith. Yeah, that'd be a good game plan, wouldn't it? Get the ball to Ben Smith. Yeah, I like that one, actually. It works for me. And, um, you know, look, we've got a lot of guys in our team who, who can play the ball. And we've got a very young first five or a fly half in Josh Huani this year who's taken over from Lima Sopawonga, who is creating a game. And, and inside him is Aaron Smith, who's probably got the best pass in world rugby. So, you know, we try, we try and develop a game that allows those guys to, um, 
to put those skills on play and uh, on display and, and and make the best out of counter attack opportunities, turnover, speed. Um, trying to play fast is what we like to do, and, and certainly in um, Dunedin with the roof, it's it's a great place to watch if we get it right. And what? So you've, I've got a few questions. First one is so uh, young Josh, who's how old is he? Like nineteen, twenty? Yeah, twenty, twenty-one, maybe somewhere around there. Well, I mean, what? How, how's that? So a young player coming in f- to, you know, playing Super Rugby regularly, potentially being mm-hmm. talked about as an All Black. What's the, what's the type of things you're doing to help support him? Because that, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. I think we talked about earlier, there's, you know, obviously Bowden Barrett and uh, Richie Moanga as, as probably the, the top two tens. And then it's a, it's a who's next. And this guy yeah. in the mix. So what are you doing to help him? Well, he, he made the New Zealand Maori Tour last year. So he got a bit more exposure at a high level. He sat on the bench behind Lima last year and got a real taste of all the places that we go and was brought in. But I think the one thing he's really got in his favour is, 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 is two of our coaches. So Aaron Majors, our head coach, um, has played 10 and 12 at all-black level and, and a world-class player. And Ricky Flutie's a British and Irish Lion at 12. So we've got a couple of guys that have got the experience to help him and help develop and grow his ability to make decisions under increasing pressure. And, um, you know, skill sets get refined and constantly get worked on. And he's very diligent. Um, but putting him into into situations and contexts that are trained, that are relative to what he's going to play in the game, it's probably the best way to do it. Um, we trust him, and he's feeling comfortable and growing each week. And one thing we're not do, we, we would never do is just I'll oh, change that, you know, pull back. No, it's not working. We just we just stick with it and just put the faith in him. And you know, look, he gets better and better every week. And um, look, he's going to be some player. He's not there yet because. You know, again, he's learning his trade, but uh, we're seeing snapshots of, of what the future could be for sure. Nice. We trust him. That's a good phrase, isn't it? And what, uh, as defence coach, often coaches are worried about fly halves. He's uh, he's doing a job for you, is he? Oh, you couldn't be. Ha- as a defence coach, he's the <laughs> okay. guy I want. You know, I'll, I'm not saying he's Henry Honorable, who, who was an, <laughs> an ex-murderer at 10, but um, look, he's incredibly physical. He... he he doesn't want to not not be in the firing line, but what we we use him for is is from a defensive perspective. We want him in our backfield, lighting our counter attack. So he comes out of that front line pretty early, but he makes our secondary tackles if we get breached, which which does happen. Um, and he's in there straight away, hit over the ball, and does all the tough stuff really well. So um, he's got a good set of uh, of hard shoulders on him. That's for sure. Right, strong, strong. And what um, and and how's it been with a new you know not a new coaching group, but you got some people that have been there for a period of time. You've come in. I think Ricky's just come in. So it's actually, a, have, have you, apart from going around to nice hotels slash houses and having takeaways, <laughs> give, give me some idea of some of the things that you've, you know, you've done intentionally as a group to go, well, let's get better at working together. Well, look, we start, it starts really in, in the, the off-season and in, in the development of ourselves. And we, we find out what are the things we're interested in what are the things that are important for us to, to bring back to the group? So we all spread off and find different ways of looking at the game or different ways of looking at people because we're in the people business. Um, so as an example, um, one of our team manager went off to um, the military academy in America and brought back some really interesting stuff on dealing with millennials and how are they seeing the world? And we've got to start seeing the world their way. So at the end of the day, we're teachers and we have to be able to convey a message and have that message interpreted how we need it to be and understood. So, that's the key thing for us. And um, as a coaching group, look, we spend a lot of time together. But one thing we do a lot is play a lot of cards. So we have a lot of time together <laughs> playing cards. And we have a few beers. Uno, I'm sure. No gambling, just Uno. None at all. We just play for fun. And nice. um, 
you know, or a forfeit. So it's 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 more serious than money. Give me an example of a forfeit. What's like the well, worst forfeit? Buying buying coffees, or we've even had guys get having to go into Lake Wanaka at midnight just because they lost a game of cards. You know that. <laughs> And, and, and that's, that, that's competitive. So we're driving competition in ourselves. And part of the philosophy that Aaron, Aaron, um, Aaron's driving as our head coach is that we want to coach in the moment. And when we're on the grass, we're all on the grass. We're all in. So yeah. we coach collaboratively, which may be a bit different to other places. Some people, some groups coach in, in, in silo and, and do the unit and, and, and just run their, their work stream. Um, but, you know, if I'm coaching defence, then Aaron will be further back looking at the broader picture and I'll have Clark Dermody working with the, the tight forwards. Ricky will run some of the attack shapes to give me what I need. So there's real collaboration through what we're doing. And look, at any point, you know, we're all there to help each other. And, you know, what, you know coaching in the moment is one of, one of Aaron's key principles. And if we're doing that right, that means we're not missing an opportunity to, to put someone in a good position to learn something at every training session. So trying to get as much out of the grass time as we can is, is, is pretty critical to us here. I like that, mate. I'm taking coaching in the moment and, uh, and claiming it as I will, I will give you, I'll give you a mention, mate. It's, it's I'm true. just a conjurer. It's, it's, it's one of hazards. <laughs> yeah. so you're going to have to check him. That's a, you're just a magic man. Uh, 10%. And what, and, and, and how do you review that? So once again, I mean, I guess that will be a big part of how you guys develop as coaches is, you know, being in the moment, get on the grass together and then, what do those conversations look like afterwards? Are they, are they, you know, is there challenge? Is there what does that look like? Yeah, we try and live in creative conflict, don't you? You want to be in the space where, you know, it's the, it's creative, but you're pushing it. It's not just you know artificial harmony. That's not what we're, we're trying to we're trying to be. You don't want to just have everyone the old Churchill nodding dog. So that's yes, yes, yes. That's not what we're about. It's you know, growing growing something and making it better requires challenge. And it requires a little bit of being uncomfortable. And what we do at the end of each day is there's a, there's a pretty pretty thorough review and debrief of the day. And um, as it drives that and leads that as the head coach, but you know if it's defence day, it's my responsibility to drive it and, and lead it. And, and, and did we nail what we wanted to nail today? Did we get out of it the objectives that we needed? If we didn't, how could we have done it better? And that's probably the key for me. Is it's not if we didn't, or how terrible was that? No, if we didn't, what can we do that would we'd get it? What 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 do we need? And and that might require some thought from others around us. And you've got to be pretty comfortable and, and pretty close to the guys you work with to to be able to take that that feedback on board and know that you know there's no offence meant, no offence taken. It, it's it's a it's about getting better. And I think we're all in a in a pretty comfortable space that I'm comfortable to lose at cards to these guys, and I'm comfortable yeah. for them to say, I don't know what you were trying to do there. That looked looked like shit. <laughs> Um, what what uh, and how, do, how do the players fit into that? So, I mean, I guess you'd be pretty, you'd have put some deliberate attention to connecting with players so that they're, cons- you know, you'd be getting feedback from the players as well, I guess. All the time, you know, uh, you know, we've got, we've got um, two all black captains or our co-captains. Yeah, that's, yeah to be fair. Pretty helpful. And, and yeah. those guys know a lot. They've learned a lot, seen a lot, and they're experienced. And at the end of the day, you know, it's really, you're selling things. When you, when you put something across, you've got to have some some thought behind the evidence, behind the creativity that says that, that they'll buy in and want to make it work. And part of the, 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 the opportunity is they've got a lot of the solutions. So our job's to draw it out and, and get them thinking about how they can impact. And we've got, you know, a guy named Tay Walden, who's one of our midfielders, who's unbelievably creative. I'm sure he'll be a coach. Um, in fact, I nickname, I nickname him coach because he's that, he's that, cerebral about his rugby thinks and challenges and, and wants conversation and dialogue and you know when you've got players who are who are living in that space 
it's pretty pretty cool place to coach because we learn off them all the time. And you know, when you watch them and and how they're executing, you go, how did you do that? Tell me about that. Like, you know, and if, if I use say Luke Whitelock as an example, I'm, how do you tackle, man? What do you do with your feet? How's it, what's going on there? And talk to me about this. And you know, those those are things that are great to have. And and all of our players are like that. So our young players require a little more nurturing. Our experienced players have got things that they enjoy and. You know, the best part that I see is even an example like Aaron Smith taking a young halfback, Falao Fakatabu, who's a young, young lad who's come to us this year, and just spending time with him, showing him, this is what I do. Well, what do you do? And Aaron Aaron openly admits, well, Nagy openly admits this year that he's better because Falao's been sidestepping him all preseason. <laughs> so he's had to up his game. So we've got this 19-year-old kid who's been turning him inside, outside. So, you know, even Aaron's, Aaron's still learning. And um, in my opinion, he's the best halfback in the world. So... If he's still trying to be better every training session, that's surely got to help grow us as a team and us as coaches. Yeah, I guess those young kids coming through, that's that's important both ways, isn't it? That they see it as a let's let's push on the team, but also I think the the guys uh, working downwards and just helping support them is critical. Does uh, Ben Smith ever talk about his time at uh, Old Colstonians when he was a gap year in uh, Bristol? No, he's not mentioned that to me, but I will mention to him now. Did you play with him? No, I didn't, but uh, it's, it's a good story. So, um, and uh, I wondered if I'd ever told you it. So, and I only know the story because I chatted to Chris Lilly. So, Chris Lilly, the dad. And um, Ben Smith was playing for the Custodians. He was about 11 stone dripping wet. He played fly half. Yeah. And, he was, and, he, and he went up to Chris Lilly and said, uh, Oh, there's only chance I can get a game for about seconds. And Chris said, No, you're too small. <laughs> I'll tell him tomorrow. That didn't turn out so well. Because <laughs> um, he was a reasonable player, he's so he's a, he's a gap year student at uh, at Colston School. Oh, nice! And then uh, I was just thinking on your way, uh, and t- I don't want to talk too much about England, but on your way to South Africa, it must be part of you that's tempted to uh, go. I'll just go on to uh, to London, and I'll see you guys in a few weeks because obviously your family are over here. So that's, uh, I mean, that's. Well, I guess actually, yeah. I am actually doing that. I'm oh, doing are you? Quite- We've got a bye week after the African trip, so I go straight from Johannesburg straight to London. So uh, I am doing that, which is exciting. And how's that? I mean, that must be tough with kids at home doing exams and you're over the other side of the world. It's 100% the hardest part of of, of how I'm doing this, but, you know, I've got a a 17-year-old doing A-levels, a 15-year-old or 16-year-old doing GCSE, and then a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old who are coming in the the slips, and and their education is critical to them and their future. And, and uh, look, you know, the, the job I do is, as you well know, having been on the seven circuit is a lot of time on airplanes and hotels. It's not very glamorous, but it's the job that, that, uh, that I chose and I, and I love. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty tough being away from them for sure. And, um, FaceTime has been a wonderful, uh, a wonderful invention. It's uh, been a lifesaver. And, um, so you're kind of part of the conversation. You're just not in the room, but, you know, at least you can be part of it uh, as best you can. You make the best out of it. But the time when, when I'm back in the UK is uh, pretty cool. And um, we have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just very lucky that uh, that Claire, who's uh, who's tolerated me now for some 23 years of marriage, um, is doing such a great job. And, um, yeah, that's probably the way it works. I just imagine you sat as a little iPhone at the breakfast table having your... Yeah, that's your, me. <laughs> your pops. Um, I get put on the side. There you go. And they get put First thing is, when you're trying to talk to them, and if they don't like the conversation, they can turn you off. (laughs) Good feedback. Another thing I was interested in, because I heard this story the other day, so they're talking about uh, there's a sharing group on Huddle, and um, 
the most it's the most active sharing group on their on their thing and it's the australian super rugby coaches so that that kind of really interested me because and then i started to look at well who are their coaches have they changed are there some new guys coming in and and i just wonder what that feels like as well for you uh, from a new zealand point of view clearly you 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 know you've got a real tight-knit coaching group that you're you're bouncing stuff around, you're learning from, you would have a kind of a global network as well. But how does that look? I mean, after matches, you chewing the fat, you, uh, I guess, with the New Zealand rugby coaches, are they in contact with you guys as well? How how collaborative mm-hmm. does it all feel? Well, there's lots of stuff that pulls us all together. So New Zealand rugby run a pretty, uh, a pretty good program on developing everybody. So there's lots of opportunity to get together. Um, a lot of the super coaches coach down the age grades as well. So New Zealand schoolboys and I love get involved. Which um, you know is is absolutely critical. Um, so all the time you're being energised into doing things and into trying to trying to work and make sure that all the information is going down. So you know I've worked through academy stuff here, um, but with the coaches, you know one thing we always do is it's it's quite different to the UK. Is after a game the players aren't rushed off to do any corporate work. Um, that's all done by our, 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 our marketing and, and commercial team. Um, but both teams always have a beer. Come into the opposition's change room and have a beer. Oh, um, great, which is the one yeah. thing that, you know, I think in the UK, it would go down a tree because the players know each other so well. So we have a beer and a bit of food and the coaches come in and there's a bit of music on or, um, you know, a guitar comes out and there's a song or, you know, if there's milestones. So, you know, as examples, James Parsons from the Auckland Blues had played his 100th game against us. So, Anyone who does that, they get a, a bottle of Central Otago Pinot, which comes from a lovely vineyard up there, which is all done up for them. And um, there's all those little milestone presentations that each teams do for each other. But there's always a beer at the end of the day, and it's a pretty tough life being in, in this gig. And um, you know, the one, the people who, who genuinely understand are the people who do it. So it's nice to actually go. Well, it's toughed out of the office. How did you go? Ah, you know, we tried this. Oh, we, yeah, we thought about this. So everyone's pretty open with how they have those conversations after the fact. Obviously, you don't have them before it. But I, I did, um, when we played the uh, the Hurricanes at home, I spent a lot of time in coffee shops, which uh, um, I do enjoy. The coffee is fantastic. Um, so I was down at one of my locals, and um, the Hurricanes management were in there having breakfast. So there's me, oh, how are you going, lads? We'll see you tonight. Yeah, it's all good. Um, Jason Holland was there, who played for Munster for, for years. I've known Alfie for a long time. And John Plumtree, their coach, and um, um, Richard. and they're, they're good guys, so they're having their breakfast. So I didn't want to interrupt or go and sit with them, because that would be a bit awkward. Um, so I went and sat in the corner and put, put one of my headphones on. I was watching a miniseries um, called The Blacklist, which is fantastic. And uh, so they left and I caught up with Jace that night. We we're having a beer at the end of the game. He goes, oh, he says, you this morning. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, um, we're on there having this chat. And, and we looked over and thought, how good's that guy's life? He gets to go to a coffee shop, put his headphones on and watch a miniseries. That's just, <laughs> that, that guy's made it. <laughs> and, you know, so we're able to have those little little sort of run into each other moments on the morning of a game. And it's actually okay. And then after those guys left, then the, 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 the Hurricanes player, so Artie Savia comes in, they come over and say hello. It's all, it's really pleasant. There's no, no sort of animosity pre-game. When the whistle goes to the whistle stops, we're playing chess and we're trying to beat each other, obviously, or outwit each other and put a performance together. But the, the ability to have conversations around it, I think, has been really good here. The... Um... And just in case your wife is listening, uh, you were not sat in a coffee shop watching a mini series. You were working, weren't you? I was working, hundred percent. Years. And let's talk about. There's a couple of things I want to pick up on. One is the chess. So, 
what have you noticed differently over there around you know is it around the tactical stuff so the problem solving because it's it's uh it's something that well certainly i've noticed that we could be better at in england but what what's happening over there from a you know players solving problems point of view mm. well well firstly it's all well and good a coach seeing something but actually the players got to see it so when you think about what what vantage point we're seeing it from. We're seeing it from videotape, from a helicopter view, normally side on, end on. Um, we're not really seeing it through the player's lens. So what you've got to try and do is, when you're looking at trying to outwit, outwit someone or trying, or you're seeing a solution, you've got to put it into the context of how the player's going to see that information and then, it, then obviously impact upon it. So one thing we found is you can't have too much. Too much is, 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 is simply that. It's too much. And you just can't be effective when you're doing too much. So we tend to be pretty simplistic, couple of couple of three things only, and we just keep looking for those decision-making opportunities. So the vast amount of what we're trying to do is get players reading body cues, reading um, numbers, mismatch, momentum scenarios. Uh, when you can play on top of a team, when you've got to play a little bit more territory, what what feels what it feels like. So that sort of um, what it feels like phrase is, is, is quite critical here because yeah. – when we're talking through players learning, you know, one of the questions will say, you know, if I'm teaching tackle, it's, oh, what did it feel like? Oh, it felt pretty good. Oh, that's great. So talk to me about good. What's good? What well, felt like my shoulder made a really strong connection. Well, great. Well, what did your feet feel like? Well, it felt like really connected with the ground. So when you're talking about a decision, you know, on a tag, you can go, what does it feel like to be in that? And he goes, well, oh, I felt like I had time. Well, why did you have time? Yeah. And you start, that, that's where the dollar goes. So, you know, what we have to try and do, and, and this is just the game, is, try and put players in positions where they can have the tools to make the decisions required to execute an outcome that's going to be favourable. And I think that could be a maul. It could be a pick and go. It could be a crossfield kick. It could be an up and under. It could simply be getting a really clean exit and putting territorial pressure back onto the opposition. So I think you can apply that in any context. And the context, I think, is still, for me, really relevant. So the context of the UK is relevant. The context of playing in Africa at altitude is relevant. The context of playing in New Zealand is relevant. And I don't think you try and drop any one style into another another area. I think it's got to be authentic. Yeah, and, and, and you would, I mean, I'm guessing you would then be developing, <clears throat> if a player, and I'll use the Mike Beale example, if he had a left he had a, a left foot that was 18 years old and a right foot that was two years old, then you'd be developing the skill of his, of his right foot so that he could solve some more problems in, you yep. know, as and when he needed them in that context. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you sort of take the view of there's always a reason to pick a player. And it's, you pick a player for what he can do, yeah. not what he can't. So why do we focus so much on what you can't do and try and make it better? I, I've always liked to take an approach of God. Well, let's make you, the thing you can do even better because that how good. And mm-hmm. the things you can't do, so well, let's make, make, make sure we can deal with those and cope with them. But we don't want to spend too much time trying to correct them. Let's work on the thing you're bloody brilliant at. Because if that's even better than that, well, that's going to even be, be even better for us. So, yeah. you know, that's I'm that's. Enjoying my nun who come back, by the way. I'm enjoying the fact that at uh, 72 years of age, yeah. my nun has come back and is possibly with a shot of the World Cup. Oh, he's killing it. He's carving it up. He is yeah. an absolute force. Physical, calm, composed. His skill sets are intact. He's scoring tries from 30, 40 outs. So he's still got the pace. Um, um, it's brilliant for us. Old. There's hope left. <laughs> yeah. Your comeback can't be far off. <laughs> I'm working on it. Something else we chatted about just offline, and uh, I'm interested. In, you said oh, it's you know, and it is tough. So everyone would look at it and go, "It's a really glamorous lifestyle," but they just see the tip of the iceberg. They don't see yeah. 
the coffee shops and the miniseries. They don't see the, uh, the lights. They don't see, you know, all the, the, the meetings. They don't see all that stuff. You were chatting about Mike King, who's a, who's a comedian in New Zealand. Yeah. He's been going around kind of doing some stuff in the in the in clubs and other environments around. I guess the mental health type stuff. I mean, would you yeah. want to kind of bring that to life? Yeah, I think there's 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 significant challenge around around young people, and particularly men who find it incredibly difficult to talk about it. And you know, we're trying to trying to put the, the view out there that it's, it's okay to talk about it. And um, you know, Mike King came came with some messages. New Zealand of the year, I think uh, this year just gone. And um, really interesting guy. And um, you know, he'd been through some some troubles and some dramas. And an unbelievably successful, height of his powers comedian. And and you know, had a bit of a meltdown. And you know, on and on, and sort of rediscovered himself with some help. Sought some sought some help. And um, had a friend of his who who pointed him in the direction of seeking some help, which was, as he said at the time, quite a strange connection for a guy to to, to say it's okay to talk to people and this man who gave him the advice to do it was actually a big, strong, powerful, influential guy who, you know, just had no expectation that this guy would have ever needed help and um, found a way through and he's sort of been taking that message out. So, you know, the the bubble of professional sport and young men coming into it is, is you know, it's it's full of, of, of challenge and difficulty and none more so than, than examples of injury or, or poor form non-selection. There's, there's things that, that can occur and, the world that, that, that our young young men and, and players are living in is a very public one, and we've seen a lot of that with with social media and 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 sort of instant feedback. And it can be pretty tough when you know you, you you're performing and, and, and doing your best, and you might be getting a lot of negativity. And that we don't know the impact that has. And um, I think the message you know we had Mike in, and he spoke to, to to our group for an hour and a half. And I said to you earlier, it seemed like about 10, 15 minutes because he, his delivery was so good and. You know, it was a it was a great message, and I think the the one thing that you know we're trying to encourage is is that it's okay to talk. And look, big buffy men, rugby players tend to more well, a bit gruff, but actually deep down, um, there's a lot of vulnerability. And um, you know, through my youth and, and playing days, well, that was never allowed to, to to come to the surface. It was a different time, but certainly now we want it to come to the surface because we all want to be part of of, of a solution of helping someone be better for themselves because the journey rugby's on is, is just one part of their life. We know, you know, I know it comes to an end, you're playing days and, and that can be very, very difficult. And you sometimes don't know when that's coming. And, um, you know, there was an old adage that, that said the sportsman dies twice. And um, it's very true. You know, you see people at the end of that, that period of adulation and the crowds roaring and now they're not. And what's my purpose? What's my worth? And that can be a real challenge. I know the, the RPA in the UK do a fantastic job working in the space um but yeah mike king was um a great guy to come along and, and deliver a message so I'd, 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 I'd ask anyone to look him up and have a, you know check him out yeah i'm definitely going to look him up and it's a it's a pretty important message and i'm just thinking about that because james so james craig just stopped playing rugby at uh, saints mm. with some concussions and stuff and looking to go into coaching and so yeah be, i was just thinking about it last night of how many especially this time of year lots of people are having that yeah. Hopefully it's not a first death, but it's it definitely might be a bit of a bump for them. Um, yeah, big change. I'm thinking uh, probably just to finish a couple of things. So what's the two things that you've noticed that's different over there? Maybe this time you've gone back and then what's the two things that you think New Zealand rugby could take from English rugby? <clears throat> well, I'll start the other way because I always look to, to English rugby first and that's been part of, I guess, the unique point for me is I've, I've had 20 years of, 
living the dream in the UK. And there's so much that I've taken from up there. It's given me everything. So I've been really fortunate to bring back some of the, the technicality around line-out, around defensive line-out, um, the way that it works, the intricacies, the technical sort of uh, appreciation of bound phase. Um, so mauling um, some of the scrummaging techniques. I mean, we've got an outstanding scrum coach here in Clark Dermody who played for London Irish. Um, it's not a London Irish-a-thon, by the way. I'm not just uh, chahooing the London Irish course, but uh, he's our scrum coach. So, again, he's had influence from the UK. Um, we have a candidate, Salala Mapasur, um, who did also play for London Irish. He also played um, for London Irish, didn't he? He also played for London Irish. So it was uh, the RBS Player of the Year in 2009, I believe, who, um, again, is running young player development in Otago. So lots of influence from the UK is coming here. Is Dodge coming over? Uh, no, no, I haven't Definitely. heard yet. Uh, no, not, not, not heard yet, but they'll all be coming. Don't worry. Uh, um, Topsy's probably on the way. Seeing as Topsy's definitely on there. Topsy will be an ambassador for your club. Of course he will. You know, and, uh, and the other thing is, the good news is, Ricky Flutie also played for London Irish. Yeah, yes. um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a reverse takeover. So we have a lot of influence. And, you know, Aaron Major played for Leicester and coached Leicester. So he won a lot of influence. didn't he? He did. I'm sure he did. He I'll ask him out. I can guarantee he would have done. <laughs> um, we'd have had him as well, you know, absolutely. Um, but look, you know, the, the thing for me, I think there's a lot to be learned from both places, but you've got to be careful how you place it in because if, if you're trying to drop one entirety culture way of play philosophy on in a place that doesn't fit, it's never going to work. It's got to be authentic. What you can do is bring, and the, you know, bring some ideas and thoughts and challenge. And, um, you know, one guy I've worked with for three years now, Luke Whitelock is really interested in, line out play, mauling, that sort of stuff. He's just really interested. So all the European stuff, he's like, tell me about it. Tell me about it. He just wants to learn. So, you know, that's been one thing I think that's, um, that's been really evident. And the, probably the one thing that, that I've learned here is the micro skill um, individual player work-ons that they drive themselves. Yeah. It's amazing how they drive it. So all our, all our type five forwards have got a ball in their hands the whole time. So there'll be a 10, 15 minute extras block at the end of training the ball's just going through their hands and they're working on their passing, their catch, their release and just perfecting that because they know in a big moment in a game for us, that pass will be the difference that gives Josh Uwani a millisecond of space that means you can break the line. I and I think that's one thing that, that guys in the Northern Hemisphere could um, spend, a, spend a bit more time doing. Yeah, I remember you saying that one of the things you noticed was just that players are, they own their own development, and definitely yeah. one of your phrases you said they they want to own their own decision making. Absolutely, and why shouldn't they? They're, they're their tools. We're actually there to we're simply there to help them be as, as good as they possibly can be. If they want to drive that to whatever level, well, that's the motivator. We'll help them get to where they want to be. But you know, the, they've got to they've got to own it. They've got to they've got to decide what they want that to look like, and they've got to drive that program. And when they come and seek out a coach, the coach will go, "Yeah, of course I'll help you." Absolutely. You don't want to be chasing guys around and, and sort of, um, you know, doing what Alan Davis did in Nottingham days, going to pick Simon Hodgkinson up from the, the halls where he's in a pile to make him go and goal kick. You know, that had to happen because Hodgie then became a class, world-class goal kicker. But yeah. Alan Davis drove him to do it. Whereas, you know, you want your players to come to work and go, I know that I need to do this this week. This is my stuff from last week from the game. I want this to be better. How can you help me do it? Oh, of course I can. It's a pretty easy place to coach when, when your players want to do that. And um, ultimately, if you think the mindset can be driven from management and collaboration with the players, the structures of how you play, probably more coach-driven because that's ordering and organising the group. But the skill sets have got to be owned by the players, in my view. 
if you own your own skill set development, you can play in any structure. And then we come up with a mindset together with which we, we're going to approach a game. Mate, on that, <coughs> other golden nuggets. Great work. I've heard Luke Whitelock will be going to London Irish soon. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going. We're yeah. putting the band back together. Oh, I've, I've found a keen one. Quick, sign him up. <laughs> Uh, mate, no, look, mate, I really appreciate that. I felt like a bit of a mid-season review. I'm, I'm excited that you guys have, um, you know, had a couple of real good wins recently and clearly tomorrow night, hope it goes well. It'll be a big, uh, big game, no pressure. Um, no, no. <laughs> and, uh, mate, it'll be good to catch up soon. And, uh, yeah, and next time you're over in the UK, definitely we'll catch up then as well. Brilliant, mate. Well, look, thanks for, uh, for wearing your dressing gown while you did this. I've appreciated that. <laughs> You asked me to. I thought you asked me to. (laughs) I didn't think it was going to be pink, though. Right. Look, have fun and uh, don't check out the hotel too uh, too early, all right? All right, mate. Take care. Bye bye. See you, buddy. Bye.